Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 96 of the podcast. It's the 1st of November, 2017, as I record this intro. In this episode, I have so much fun bringing Anna Brown and Pat Robinson together to chat about ordinary unschooling. We talk about the idea of, quote, unschooling success stories, the impact of the conventional independence agenda, which starts very young in our culture the incredible value of ordinary unschooling days, and lots more. And as a personal update this week, I'm back. (laughs) We had a wonderful vacation in Florida. We really enjoyed having two weeks. It was so relaxing to be able to intersperse the high energy activities with the low key ones. So the first week we were in Orlando and we hit Harry Potter World, which was awesome and high on everyone's wish list, as well as Epcot, which was lots of fun too. We also spent a couple of days around the pool and playing games, and one night Michael and I attended John Green's Orlando book tour stop, which was great fun. The second week, we were on the Gulf Coast, so we really enjoyed a local kayaking tour. Uh, The Moat Aquarium and Laboratory was lots of fun, and the Ringling Circus Museum, as well as taking the rowboat out on the bay, walks on the beach, bike rides, sunsets and sunrises, and lots of games. We played most nights, and the ones that got lots of play were Forbidden Island, Exploding Kittens, Munchkin, and Starflux. It was such a great time. And it's really nice to be back home, too. I'd like to take a moment to send a huge thank you to everyone who has chosen to support the show on Patreon. And a big welcome to new patrons Manuela Tegler and Amy Martinez. I deeply appreciate my patrons. You guys inspire me. And I love that you're helping me share unschooling information with anyone who's curious to learn more about this wonderful lifestyle. And if you'd like to support the show, even for as little as a dollar a month, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And this week, I want to share a quote from the interview. Anna shared, I just want to take my moment here to encourage everybody to think about how we communicate with young people. And instead of asking about school or college or life plans, talk about their favorite book or show, or have they been to any good restaurants, or do they have a favorite place to hike? How's their week going? Anything that actually connects you with the actual person standing in front of you. I thought that was such a great reminder. When we have the opportunity to chat with young adults, engage with them directly. Connect with them as an actual person, not with the societal expectations that buzz around them like annoying flies. I hadn't really thought of it that way until Anna mentioned it, but now the difference is stark. Connect with the person rather than trying to place them within the framework of conventional expectations. Whether or not they're unschooling, they are human beings with likes and dislikes and interests. I really love that point. And now, on to my conversation with Anna and Pat. Hi everyone, I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Anna Brown and Pat Robinson. Hi guys. Hello. Hello. This week, we are going to talk about everyday, ordinary unschooling. We want to focus on celebrating all unschooling children and dig into why we may, especially at the beginning of our journey, be drawn to seeking out and sharing stories of quote-unquote successful unschoolers. So to start us off, you guys have both been on the podcast before, but let's just do a quick recap for new listeners. How many children do you have and how long has your family been unschooling? Do you want to start, Anna? Um, Sure. 
So I have two daughters and they are about to turn 18 and 20 and we have always unschooled. And um, our oldest led us to unschooling very early on. And I actually met Pat very early on, just after we moved to Charlotte, when I guess my girls were probably one and three, and and her son was even younger than that. (laughs) Pat? Well, we've just pretty much always unschooled. Anna introduced the idea of unschooling when we were about, our son was about six months old. He's 16 now, and so... When we just explored it and we just continued to observe him learning and we just always just lived and learned <laughs> together. That's awesome. So let's dive into our topic for this week. Um, there's a tendency for people new to the idea of unschooling to seek out success stories in an effort to prove to themselves that unschooling is a viable option before they make the leap. And that's totally understandable. But the challenge with that is it can set up expectations on our children to, quote, find their passion or start a business at 15, etc. I saw a quote the other day, um, homeschooling is private school for poor people. Now, that attitude can make life challenging for unschooling kids, though, can't it? Do you want to start, Anna? Um, Yeah, so I think that... Anytime we have an agenda or a set outcome in mind, we're really closing off opportunities and that ends up harming our connection with our kids. So there's the the quote of expectations or pre-planned resentment. So I think, you know, when we're putting ourselves out in the future, that can be hard. I think the most harmful aspect of this idea is that it takes our focus away from our child. We can't see who they are. If we're looking at what other people are doing and thinking it will look the same for our children, that takes us out of the moment in front of us and it disconnects us from seeing our child and appreciating their unique path. And I think another idea that um, Pat and I have talked about before is this idea of the composite unschooler because I, I, and we actually noticed it recently in a comment on another group where someone was comparing their inside, their family, who they are with someone else's outside. (laughs) Because what we're seeing when someone communicates on Facebook or even with us directly is just one little bit and one little piece. And it's so much more complex than that. So, you know, I just turn that focus back in and on that connection with your child. And that's really where I like to keep my focus. Pat? Well, most people define unschooling as or, or success as achieving and accomplishing, advancing, progressing, um, attaining something as something performance oriented, net outcome oriented parenting or product oriented parenting. We've seen that a lot, even with an mm-hmm. independence agenda where there's this pressure to, to get ahead and, and show off basically. Um, right. And there, I was asking my son about um, this and he said, "Yeah, it creates a lot of pressure and it reduces your desire to learn because you're afraid that somebody's going to be judging you, whether right. you're going to be doing it according to their definition of success. Instead, we just enjoy our life doing what we love, and like he, we've just been focusing on what our son loves all along. Like he liked trains, and we explored trains. We went to the train museum every week, and we." happened to learn about engines and we happened to learn about the train being built across America, but it wasn't that we were just exploring history. He just wanted to do trains and it wasn't that there was an agenda for him to learn. He just loved trains. We did trains morning, noon, night, and day (laughs) all the time. And then there was a time when it was music and he just wanted to explore music. And it wasn't that we had an outcome that he was going to become a musician or that he was going to become a train engineer or that he was going to be some performance artist with music. And then it became Pokemon cards and we just collected Pokemon cards and went to Pokemon League and found friends there. And it wasn't that there was an agenda or an outcome associated with doing the things that we love. No, I agree. Yeah, I think one of the hard things too, I think this is something that comes up on our unschooling journey often enough, depending on, you know, um, the the people that you're surrounded with. But, you know, at mm-hmm. first it's, you know, I'm going to make this really unconventional decision. I kind of want some proof that, that it's going to work. And then once you start, then then you have 
family around you, right, who are watching you to kind of see right. and and you feel this need to, well, I have to prove to them that this was a good choice. And, and you can almost get caught up. Well, I need to prove that it's better than school because I chose, you know, for my kids not to go to school or we chose together to not bring that into our lives. And that's the thing you can get really sucked into that. Well, this needs to be better because you're still stuck in that comparison with school, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's I right. think that if we just allow, is not the right word, but just continue to enjoy being captivated by the things that we're fascinated with and immerse ourselves with that, things that we're delighting with, like video games or um, animals or outdoors or birds or whatever, then those things, they don't lead to something. They are their own thing of, of fulfilling life. I mean, it fills our lives with joy. And I've found that families and strangers are fascinated when our children are so informed and, and passionate. Like they, they're like, our kids don't know what they want to do as if that's supposed to happen at a certain point. And children just are doing what they love. It's not something that they have to do. Right. Yeah. And it looks, it looks so different, doesn't it? And at that point you made about, um, about the assumption that, you know, if they're into something, then that, what career is that going to lead to? Right. Like, right. yeah, you know, I know my daughter with photography, you know, from the time she was 13, people around were saying, oh, well, she's going to be a photographer. It's like, oh, phew, they found their lot in life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, a big part of the, this issue revolves around how we choose to, def to define success. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that was definitely a huge part of my de-schooling process because when we define success more, more conventionally, like you guys were talking about, by accomplishments and looking at it that way, that can definitely be at odds with the unschooling lifestyle that we're trying to cultivate. So I just thought we would, uh, it would be fun to chat about how we define success nowadays. Would you like to start, Pat? I... I've always, even before we learned of unschooling, I've always just chosen the lifestyle that brings me joy. And if something hasn't brought me joy, joy has been the, the, the compass mm -hmm. point, like the North Star, like that apt um, reference. But just to follow that which brings me joy. And then if I find that it's not, then I veer the different way and I veer a different way. And it has changed my career and and enrich my career and, and broaden my life. And it's not just the career time, but even before when I learned of unschooling, it's, and so we just, it's a lifestyle that brings you joy. I asked my son and he thinks that it's being happy and enjoying yourself. That's success. <laughs> and there are plenty of adults that don't have that definition of success. And they've done right. the mainstream thing and they've done all the things they're supposed to. And they're still not feeling happy and well, enjoying right. their life. And I think the idea of success is really just a completely different paradigm mm -hmm. <laughs> because, because it's pretty much always an external measure. And so I love that unschooling really gets us out of that deficit focus. Success looks this one way school model that's so pervasive in our culture. And so I think that's why it's kind of hard for us to even answer that question because I don't. It, I think it's that other paradigm. And what I know is that I can only speak for myself. You know, like what it what it looks my life looks like for me. And I look at my life in terms of connections. How am I spending my time? How am I moving through the world? Am I spending the time with people I love? Am I doing work that's meaningful to me? Am I connected to my family and community in a way that feels good? And I found that when I care for those things and cultivate that feeling of connection and joy, just like Pat was saying, in those moments, then the rest kind of takes care of itself. Opportunities arise, doors open. You know, we've just always encouraged our girls to think about what they love and how they want to spend the time that they have here, you know, trusting in their journey and have seen paths and opportunities open up as they walk towards what interests them. So it's just like Pat's saying, I mean, I feel like that's what we've seen. And so, but you're right, Pam, it's like this very different idea. And so it's, it's that first step of thinking I'm, we're going to unschool, but then it's really just leaving all of those other pieces behind because it just kind of files the way. 
I love that. And it's a huge paradigm shift. And I think that's, that's where the challenge is in Mm -hmm. that. Like, like you were saying, when you focus on connections and joy and meaning doors open, opportunities appear. But when you, before you start, when you've learned all your life to just to look for those opportunities first Right. And then and then that's what you need to accomplish. And you define your path by that opportunity. It's a huge shift to trust at first to say, you know what, I'm going to do, you know, focus on now the, the connections, joy and meaning in my life now and to trust that awesome opportunities and things will appear because they do. But but there's that trust at first before you've experienced it a few times to realize. Right. Right. <laughs> Well, I think mainstream that there's this external measurement of mm-hmm. what success is. It's either mm-hmm. a title, a big house, um, wealth in a financial way. And my, I only I, when I was done with high school a thousand years ago, um, <laughs> I just wanted to contribute to my community. So it wasn't an external measure of success. And so I've always felt successful at doing that. Like I was able to do that by being in the big brothers, big sisters thing. And I was able to contribute to my community. So it's like you're saying, Anna, with connections, it was, it's a different paradigm. It's not right. this measurable outcome that somebody else is observing. And it's the same thing with thinking you need to measure learning in school where they have to have a test to measure that you're learning, although they are not testing the things that you may be learning. And so they don't think that you're learning and you have to learn the things that they want you to learn so they can measure it. And, but they can only measure things that they value in a concrete quantitative way, as opposed to your ability to be in a family or your ability to, um, budget, uh, um, balance a checkbook or to compare and contrast a financial decision or how to build a garden. Those are not things that they're measuring that families can be learning that contribute to their joy, to their um, family or to their community. Right. And so I really see those things as outside limits. You know, when we're looking at these, oh, is it Mm -hmm. measurable? Are people defining it as success? Did they see us as successful? I mean, obviously, these are not questions I have. But I mean, if someone were, think of look at how limiting, like feel the the confinement of that versus this, you know, just following your joy and creating a garden or learning to have chickens or doing this or creating relationships and and that there's so much meat in all of that just day-to-day ordinary life that I think you can miss out if you're worrying about these measurable outcomes yeah and, you have algebra by eighth grade really yeah <laughs> as opposed to ninth grade or sixth grade or versus right. the college class like if you're measuring that as success you're missing like all the rest of the world that's happening yeah. that's adding joy to their life. You know what piece came up for me as you guys were talking, because um, I, in relation to what we're saying now, and then the, the question before when we were talking about, you know, that, that need to prove mm-hmm. um, to other people, and especially in this context to other people, because it's about measuring success. Right. And I think um, something that um, can come up, I know it's one thing I worked through was, it wasn't even me trying to um, prove so much. It was about getting, you know, there's there's one or two people in our lives that we really want their approval. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, oftentimes it's parents or, 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 you know, somebody significant in your lives. And like we were saying, these are all, this shift to our definition of success is, is now a very internal measurement, right? It's the right. whole point. We're not looking at external measures yet. External measures are really all that other people can see, right? Because they're not inside our family day to day. They don't see our kids, our connections, our happiness, our joy in all the little things that we do. I've curled up on the couch watching a movie together. You know, they they can't see all this um, beautiful stuff that's happening in our families that we understand. Yet we still have a need we can still have a need for their approval so you know to feel like we need to explain it and and try to say but but this but this but this and and it gets us defensive and then we start to worry and then we start looking at external measures and it's that whole cycle again right well i think we need to wonder choose 
what do we want to model? Do we want to model letting others define what success is for us? Or as my son says, his definition of success is being happy and enjoying his himself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's Beautiful. what I want to model. I yeah. mean, my parents' discomfort with us unschooling isn't my focus. My focus is, is my child enjoying doing video games 24-7 because that's what he loves. And if I'm limiting him because my parents don't see the measurable value of video games, then I'm teaching him indirectly by modeling a focus on what their my parents think. Mm-hmm. Right. This, yeah, you're showing him that what as this external, external. matters more. Right. Then and, and so I think that's believe. super valid point. And what I found to kind of address what you're talking about too, Pam, is that my energy really sets the stage for how people see us. So, mm-hmm. and, and I've seen it with Pat so many times, her joy and just exuberance about Eric and Pokemon and those things just turns people around instantly because they may not understand it and it may not be something that they felt was measurable or kind of fits into the box that they're used to, but her joy, their connection, his joy, she, we can give people that information. We can we can share that energy with them and it turns around those conversations so quickly quickly. It really does. And I found when I was working through that, you know, in that first year or two when we were unschooling, that's, that's where I got to. It's like, okay, you know, um, I may have, it it was the process of not needing their approval and then realizing we're not going to, um, try like when we go visit, we're not going to try and show off within your parameters. We're just going to show up as ourselves, our happy, joyful selves. And that energy, like you said, it just bubbles over and everywhere, doesn't it? Like all of a sudden there were no negative comments or, or pointed questions. You know what I mean? It was more like, holy, you guys are like talking to each other and having fun and and everything. And and they just kind of sat back and watched for a while. So that was awesome. That might not happen. Yeah, that's true. The parents may choose not to be connected. The grandparents may choose not to connect. They may choose to continue to judge. They may can choose to continue to disapprove. And that is a choice that the parent, grandparent, individually can choose whether they want to have a relationship with their child, whether they want their child to feel their grandchild to feel um, judged. Do and the ch- gr- the grandchild will say, I don't want to spend time with them. Right. Well, yeah, that's one of the things I did to like, for me, it felt like I was um, preserving the future possibilities of a relationship <laughs> between my child and the extended family, because I was providing this buffer um, so that they didn't get negative. So that, you know, negative messages really weren't there. Sure. We got phone calls after we got questions after, but not when my kids were there and we were all together. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about ordinary days and ordinary people. <laughs> I, I was trying to think of another word for ordinary, but you know what? I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind that word at all. So unschooling parents and unschooling kids going about their ordinary days, because when we've now gone through that process and we've redefined success to these internal measures, measures for ourselves and and individually, you know, not just a measure for a family, but for each of us individually, because we are all different people. But now we see so much more goodness around us, don't we? We we love that moment where we're cuddled watching something or playing a game or whatever. Um, there's just so much more great moments around us, isn't there? So I was wondering if you could share your perspective, Anna. Right. Because so for me, it really is about appreciation for those moments, you know, because that I mean, that's what what we have is that moment right in front of us. And, and learning and connection, it happens as we actively engage in the world around us. But now that doesn't necessarily mean out in public, you know, because when I said that out loud, I thought, oh, wait, I don't want them to think it means that because it could mean reading, cuddling on the couch, researching, gaming, hanging out with friends. You know, it's in each of those pursuits, we learn more about ourselves, what we enjoy, how we fit into the world, you know, and that's the beauty of, of kind of cultivating caring for each of those moments. Uh, you know, so many people in our society are chasing after this external definition of success that we were talking about. And in that pursuit, I feel like they lose themselves and at time even sacrifice their relationships 
to try to please this external source that really in the end probably doesn't care, you know, (laughs) and, and what it is, you know, that they say there's that meme, you know, you don't wish for more time at work when you're laying on your deathbed. But, you know, even that, there's an idea in that meme that work is drudgery and to be disliked. And I don't think it has to be that way. I think we can kind of throw away that whole paradigm like we're talking about. And then it just opens up all these new and exciting possibilities. We it, it's we can really honestly just leave all of that behind. And I know it feels foreign and scary to people at times, but you really can can and this amazing life is just waiting what i like about it is is using the word life right because like mm-hmm. you said that that um dichotomy between play and work right it really does right. disappear mm-hmm. when like joy is your measure and you're making choices um and i i love you calling it uh the north star or the compass point that you're mm-hmm. following um because you know what even even if work isn't like a dream job um there's reasons that we're choosing it that that we're doing mm-hmm. it you know what it, whether it's because we want to learn something new whether it's because you know we want the income to support our family or to support our other interests and hobbies and everything when we know it's a choice and we're not feeling it's something we have to do because that's the path we're supposed to be on it's so different and and all our days can more weave together as life rather than this dichotomy of the stuff you get through to this stuff so you can enjoy the other stuff right. in your day. Right? <laughs> our ordinary days are our own goals, just exploring our own go- goals. It's like <laughs> summer, all, pl- pretending it's summer, but it always is. It's right. just whatever you want to do. You have this big expanse of open time. You get to explore this or, investigate that without an agenda or without an expectation that you're going to accomplish something or that you're going to achieve something. It's just enjoying. It's just, it's just being present and relaxed. And Pat, you and I have talked a lot about that unfolding, you know, how Mm -hmm. is the day going to unfold? Because it surprises us, you know, we've had too little of those lately. (laughs) Because because if you have things on this schedule, then that creates this, this interruption, this, you can't just brainstorm or dream. Right. That flow. Sure. Oh, 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 you find something and then you go down and my rabbit hole and you think, Mm -hmm. now I've learned this. And then you think, oh, what about this? And we just do that. It, when Eric loves to explore different things. I mean, he's fascinated about Southeast Asia um, history and mm-hmm. politics. And because of video games, he wants to understand how it works in South Korea versus North Korea. And it's just all because of video games. He's fascinated by the music of the Japanese culture. And it's not something that I set out to say, okay, we're going to lose, learn Japanese, Southeast culture and politics and history. <laughs> it's, it's just, and it's not that he has an agenda to use the information. He's just fascinated by it and he immerses himself in it and he's passionate about it and he's captivated to, to learn more and more and more. And that's a much more enjoyable life when you are in this flow of, joyfully learning then it's just easy it's not it's just fun it's joyful it's not work yes i think that's one of the huge pieces ordinary days (laughs) like like what's better than that (laughs) (laughs) yes i love that and that's so true and that's the another one of the things that I just love so much about unschooling like you were saying Pat learning isn't work right and kids when they go to school are taught like this is your job mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. this is what you need to do learning is work and you know so often they graduate you know my kids are older now and and from their friends who who have gone to school you know they're like oh you know I'm so glad to be finished learning <laughs> <laughs> but it's absolutely true from their perspective, right? Because that is how learning is defined in their lives. They don't see the bigger um, 
picture of just, you know what, because they don't value and because in their life, there has been much less value on stuff that they've learned outside school. So that's not real, real learning. That's just the play. That's disconnected from real life. That learning is the children think work or learning is disconnected from real life in the mainstream or that it's going to give you some future real life as opposed to mm-hmm. the real life we have right now. We're already full people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> why so do let's, we give, why oh, give eight hours of our life away or whatever to, to something that's not real life? Right. Mm-hmm. And I just love the image. We'll just bring that up one more time of your day unfolding. Mm-hmm. You know, just everybody listening, just sink into that feeling for a minute. You know, when something's caught your attention and you're just like, oh, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. And you just get into the flow of that moment. It's very so peaceful and relaxing, isn't it? I can I can just feel my whole body like relaxing and just pursuing with excitement. Yes. Yes. I love that. Okay, um, I also want to take a moment to touch on the unschooling kids who are doing things that look more conventionally successful. I think that's the phrase I'm going to use. I think what's so different is the entire unschooling ethos within which they're living that moment, though. They're choosing the things that they do, not because they can be successful at them. So it's not, you know, I had this success goal and now I've created my path to it. But they've chosen that activity because it's interesting to them, because they're interested in pursuing it, in diving into it, um, and may become very passionate about it and spend a lot of hours. So it's not about having other people see them as successful or judging them as better than others um, in that field or activity, whatever it is. It's not about what other people think at all. It's more about their personal aspirations and goals and joy and interest. Um, But it takes some unschooling experience for parents to understand this, though, doesn't it? It's still like, oh, here we can hold them up as a successful unschooler because what they're doing looks really good. Right? Right. What do you think, Pat? Well, Eric, about five, he's 16 now, so five or six years ago, he heard about this world champion, Pokemon world champion. And so he has had this idea that he wanted to be go to Worlds, the Worlds tournament. And it's just been something that, like, we, I don't care if he goes to Worlds tournament. I don't care if he's number one. It's not even something he tells other people that he does. It's something that he has asserted as something that he's aspiring to and working toward. And so video game world tournament. So we've been to nationals and so things like that where he's been aspiring for something that he's measuring himself against his progress. And it's not something that obviously externally people aren't saying you need to be a video game tournament champion um, (laughs) as a conventional measure (laughs) of success. It's not something that is outside of him that's generating this quote unquote conventional type of goal. He just loves playing the video game. He loves the music. He loves Pokemon. He loves the crowd of people at that level that because it's more challenging and there's more interest um, in competing against somebody that is at your same level. And so it's, it can, it's somewhat conventional and yet it's not externally driven. Right. And so that's for me, it's like back to letting go of those external measures. And something that I think is so cool about the unschoolers that I know, including Eric, is how internally motivated they are. So even though like this is kind of traditional competition in a sense, it isn't coming from this. I have to do this for someone else. You know, it is this internally motivated piece, which I think is so cool. And, you know, it doesn't just manifest as the saving the world and backpacking Europe and starting a business at 12, you know, the flashy things that we'll see out there, which certainly happen. And those unschoolers are awesome too. But it's even in making, you know, just small decisions to follow an interest or curiosity or flow of that particular day. 
And I think I've, I know I've mentioned before on the podcast that my youngest works at um, a movie theater and that's just a job she wanted to get as a teenager. She's like, this is where I want to work. And she wanted to be around different teens and young adults. And she like likes movies, always has. She likes the schedule and she loves it. She loves this job. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know how long she'll stay there, but again, it will come from her internal drive to stay or to go. It won't be about what others think she should or shouldn't be doing related to it. And I think we have this energy of racing towards the future, and it really pulls us out of the moment. And I love the time and space that unschooling, you know, really allows that unfolding that we're talking about. Yeah, as far as the, oh, go ahead, ahead, Pat. As far as unfolding, also, Eric decided at five, he didn't want to fly on a plane and didn't fly on a plane for 10 years. Didn't want to fly on a plane. He said he didn't like planes. He didn't want it to be up high. Didn't like heights. He would do roller coasters. Didn't want to fly. And then Worlds was in California. Got on a plane, flew to California. So just allowing that space for the unfolding, it wasn't like we're going to have some traumatic experience where you're going to have to get on a plane and you have to get over this fear and you have to do this. Why? Like plenty of people don't ever fly. So, I mean, sometimes we have this idea of what children need to be able to do to get on in the world, but when they're ready and needing to do it, they'll choose. I I need need and am ready to do this, this thing that I may have been afraid of, but allowing that years to unfold too not just the days. Right. Oh, I agree so much. And and something Pat said to me earlier before we were on the call that I wanted to get it. And let me think if I can think how she said it, but it was this piece of, um, you were talking about Steve Jobs, Pat, you know, and just how little pieces may seem disconnected when we look at them with this external mind of judging and success and are they, you know, is this leading to a career or doing whatever, but really we don't know what all those little pieces are leading to. And that's kind of the beauty, but when we can allow that time and space to unfold and follow the rabbit holes, you know, if we look back, you know, 20 years from now, it might be like, Oh my gosh, that all those things really did come to this one point, but it doesn't matter. So I think that judging in the moment, let go of that because, because we don't know where all these little pieces, where they're building, what we're learning from it. Even if it's just what we like and don't like, that's valuable. But it may be that there's this bigger picture being formed that we can't even begin to understand. Zigzagging to the future instead of this mm-hmm. this race, straight line. Yes. <laughs> like there's this end point that you're going to get to the future and then you're going to get to be a real person <laughs> with a real life. Right. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I, I know. You can see the connections looking back, but you can't anticipate them going forward. No. And, you know, so letting them unfold is is just a, a, a beautiful image for it and zigzagging around. But but you will see looking back how those zigs and zags, how, how things wove through what mm-hmm. seemed to be totally unrelated in the yeah. moment, right? That zig to that zag, where the heck did that come from? <laughs> right. But... Six months it, it later, you see exactly it enriched yeah. the journey in some way that you eventually see. But anyway, so I the for this piece, the, there was one other observation be, for me because mm-hmm. I'm just I was always asking myself why do I why do I feel a bit uncomfortable with this idea of like successful unschoolers and only in that um, because. As we've been talking about, they're all coming from exactly the same place, right? From the same motivations because they're following their interests and joy. And to me, it's like all unschooling kids living their ordinary lives day to day are in a sense of our definition, internal definition of Mm -hmm. success, successful, right? So, you know, I, I know, um, you know, when when I would share, I would feel uncomfortable sometimes sharing that, you know, Lissy's living in New York City mm-hmm. and she's working as a photographer and, you know, she 
um, moved there when she was 18, you know, because when you look externally at those, those are cool, quote, successful right. measures, you know, when she wins an, uh, an award and gets this show and everything. And part of me is like, well, I feel uncomfortable sharing it because it's not about the external measure, right? right. It's not about the number. It's not about the award. But those are things that just that ha happened along the journey. And absolutely, we enjoy them and, and everything. But it's still all coming from every single ordinary unschoolers days, right? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, <laughs> yes. Okay, good. <laughs> so uh, one other thing that we wanted to talk about, uh, which is another aspect of conventional expectations that we see so often talked about. And I loved... Pat's phrase um, a little bit earlier, this independence pressure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Independence agenda, yes. Independence agenda, yes. It's about when teens turn 18. It seems to be such a significant age for so many parents. And right, it's right there behind like hitting school age, right? Hitting school age, hitting right. teenage, and then hitting 18. Um, and as parents, we may have been unschooling for many years and be quite relaxed and enjoying the unfolding of our lives. But we may well find new concerns kind of popping up as our eldest starts to get close to that age. So would you like to talk about that a bit, Anna? Sure. So Pat's son, <laughs> as we've mentioned, is a couple years younger than my youngest, not quite two years younger. And so she's been hearing me gripe about this for a long time <laughs> <laughs> and, and warning her that it's coming because, you know, I think to some extent we were just going along in our bubble, doing what we love. We have this vibrant community all over the world who we visit and do and interact with. We're living our lives. And then this age started to approach and every single person we met had something to say about it. <laughs> you know, everybody, just, everybody. everybody, not just family members or acquaintances, but complete strangers. <laughs> and they were all quite insistent to know what the plans are now. What are you doing now that you're turning 18? And to a certain extent, you know, I'm trying to see the, you know, positive intent. I think people just don't have language to talk to kids or young adults. So they honestly don't know what to say. But there also seems to be a belief that somehow we are entitled to know the personal plans of every young adult. And <laughs> I, you know, I've come to think it's maybe just another form of ageism, because I really feel sure that we do not think we have the right to know the personal business of every other person we meet on an airplane or in the grocery store. And yet we have this belief about kids and young adults. So I just want to take my moment here to encourage everyone <laughs> to think about how we communicate with young people. And instead of asking about school or college or life plans, talk about their favorite book or show or have they been to any good restaurants? Do they have a favorite place to hike? How's their week going? You know, anything that actually connects you with the actual person standing in front of you. And if it's a complete stranger, maybe just a friendly smile. <laughs> and, you know, because the pressure we're putting on young adults is just enormous. And it takes a lot of work to sort through all of the outside noise so that they can focus on what's coming from inside of them. And so that's really where I've been putting my focus with my girls is trying to help quiet the noise and protect that introspection, because that's what I really think this time in life is about for them is coming in and looking and then deciding about next steps and also just doing what we've been doing, enjoying each day and letting it unfold. It doesn't need to change because of this arbitrary age. So going to step off my box now <laughs> and see what that has to say. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I, um, my son doesn't believe schooling is necessary to learn. I mean, obviously he's learned plenty right. and he's never <laughs> been to school. So he doesn't believe um, that it makes sense to get into debt with a college degree in order to learn because we're not into debt with a, schooling degree and he still learned like and so we haven't he hasn't been asked to my knowledge what are you going to do now and he says when I talked to him about this have you been asked this he says no I'm already doing it I've always been doing it and I said well what it, because what he does and has been doing for years 
is creating story for developing video games, strategy, characters, plots, graphics, art, language, music. And he's been doing that since he was 11. It's not going to start when he's 18. He's already right. gonna been doing it. He think, he embraces being an artist as a full life endeavor, and he's already doing it. It's not something that's going to be happening in the future. He's been doing it. And recently, he's found a Japanese music school that he's considered because he wants the cultural immersion of all of that. Southeast Asia, politics, culture, food, um, language, and he needs to have a language proficiency of N2. And so we've been going to conversational Japanese, and he's been studying Japanese and all the different ways they write that I don't understand. Um, and he's exploring that possibility. He may or may not decide to do that. But that's what the direction he's going. He may decide he wants to go to England because he likes the English accent too. And so, like, it's just this exploring weave over here because this is more interesting. And he's already been doing that his whole life. And so he'll just continue to do that at 18. There isn't something that's going to happen differently. Right. And that's, and that's exactly what I want and had envisioned and, and desire. But then I'm telling you <laughs> that it's, it's <laughs> when, when you're constantly faced with people. I mean, you know, Afton would get quizzed on an airplane. She would get, you know, and it's just, why? Why are we doing this? And Pat got a, a tiny taste of it when we, she went to pick up something that I normally pick up, our eggs from this woman who we love, who's a wonderful woman. And she's and telling them, oh, after is away and she's in Chicago and Anna can't be here. Oh, is she going to college there? And she's doing that. She's like, oh my gosh, woman. It's the only one right way. Again, like there's this limited way. The mainstream limited way ignores all these infinite possibilities of other ways of living a joyful life. Like there's one way you're prescribed this way. But that's not true because <laughs> we're not living that way and we're happy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what I love is, you know, you were talking, Pat, about um, your son and Japanese and considering that Japanese music school. And I think for some, depending on what um, their interest is, there may come a time independent of age. <laughs> yeah. When they want to immerse themselves more deeply um, with other people at, well, you were talking about that with a Pokemon tournament right. as well, Pat, mm -hmm. with people that are at their level, their skill yeah. level, because mm -hmm. the conversation is different. They have a language of their own that is immersed in that particular culture, right? That's what Lissy was looking for when she first went to visit New York City. When she turned 18, she was looking for her tribe, you know, for lack of a mm -hmm. better word. Her people, um, you know, we were totally supportive of her interest completely and helping her as much as we could. But we didn't have the depth of knowledge mm -hmm. to have those conversations with her, right? That's what she's looking for. And that's what she's found, which is why she stayed there. Um Phoebe, a few episodes ago, same thing with her drawing. Her parents were very supportive. She was looking to immerse herself more, and she went to RISD for uh, college for a few years to get her degree there, and that's what she found there was her tribe. And if it didn't work out, you know, she wouldn't have stayed for the whole thing. But that's this it's the whole thing, right? It's It's not when unschooling kids are making these choices, they're making them – um, for themselves, from their interests, their their aspirations, what they're looking for, not because that looks good on those external measures, right? Right. right. And from this field of infinite possibilities, like Pat said, mm -hmm. versus this one path that's one size fits all that doesn't fit all. Yep. And the other piece of this, what is the whole, you know, moving out? Because I, I see comments every once in a while, like, are there unschooling kids still living at home when they're, you know, in their later 20s or, or whatever, you know, and and saying, well, that is not successful. You know what I mean? And the idea that um, for a young adult to um be successful in in having grown up to a uh, a w workable I don't know what's the right word adult because <laughs> um, I don't even have the language for all these external measures yeah, <laughs> but that they need to move out on their own 
right? Mm -hmm. And like, why is that even a useful measure? Unless it's something that they want to do and are drawn to do because, you know, then they're, they're alone. It's harder to connect with people. They don't have people around them. They're spending extra money for this space. You know, if, if they um, are, aren't interested in that, you know, that can be a super cool experience for people and they want that space and they want, you know, to be able to take care, to feel like they're taking care of themselves in their, in their own way, you know, but that isn't, I don't see that as a measure of success or failure of their childhood, how they grew up. That is just them continuing to make choices and trying out the things and doing the things that they want to do. You know, there's no reason, no problem if if kids are and young adults, you know, are happy in their childhood home or whatever or hanging out with their family. You know, I don't see that as a useful external measure of success or not. Well, I think a lot of parents may be judging themselves against that external measure of this is, I've done parented Mm -hmm. successfully, Uh child moved Uh out, that independence agenda where Mm -hmm. that's the parent is feeling judged or judgment. I heard Mm -hmm. or read that the average American child is financially dependent on their parent until age 27. Now, most yeah. of those are not unschooling. No. <laughs> 99% of them are not unschooling. <laughs> They're mainstream public school children who are financially dependent on their parent until, on average, age 27. So there's older children and younger children. So some of them were 18. Some of them were 16. It's not like there's only one path to becoming an adult and the role of the parent is to facilitate or the unschooling parent is facilitating. You don't stop facilitating at 18. You don't stop parenting at 18. It doesn't have to look cut off. You're 18. Right. And okay. Something just struck me when you said the statistic about the 27, which we've talked about before, but so it's kind of a fallacy basically that we have this cultural fallacy that, you know, kids are independent at 18. And then, so maybe it's even just having a dialogue around that for people and letting people talk about that more. So anyway, what it reminded me of is just the idea of like, you know, um, co-sleeping and kids coming Mm -hmm. into their parents' beds when they're young and, you know, people not talking talking about it, saying it never happened. But then when someone opens that up, then people are like, oh my gosh, they come in all the time. They do this and we love it. And it's this, and it's like, then it's okay because we have this fallacy that it's this one way. So I think, gosh, if we could just talk more openly and acceptingly about that without this need for this independence agenda that, you know, in our culture, we're starting very young, pop them in the crib by themselves, go head off to school with your briefcase by yourself, you know, do this by yourself, by yourself, by yourself. And what I love about life is community and connections and relationships. And I, I so that's what we've cultivated instead. Yes. I want to be a trusted advisor, not yes. have my job done at 18 and him stop listening or stop, <laughs> or stop using me as a resource. Like I want to be able to be a facilitator. I want to be um, trusted to like as a sounding board. I have another family friend that um, her son, he's graduated with a master's and he was um, applying for a position and they were offering him less than his current position, but it was going to be remote. So he could like work from home and he was consulting her and saying, you know, what, what is the added value of working from home? And, and um, the, the other male figure in his life was saying, well, there's like a $15,000 value because of the cost of driving, the cost of like, so he was consulting these people that he, he respects. And I, it doesn't have to be like, he has to make the decision either all by himself. Because he's eighteen or twenty-five. And not only that, not only from not only from that perspective, but how enriching is our life with these young adults? You know, we're learning. I mean, you're telling me things constantly. You're learning from Eric. I know I'm learning from mine. Damn, it's the same. You know that you said we're, they're bringing all of this. So it, it, we're all together in this contributing together. I just love that. Our lives are fuller. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. 
Totally. Well, and people talk about the empty nest and ain't and feeling sad. It's like it's it's a transition to this independence, but it's an interdependence. And it's mm. like it's not like we culturally hand that interdependence off to colleges and a dorm marm, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever to be there, keep them from killing themselves um, in their first year in college or whatever from their bad choices for having not had opportunities to make choices. But our children have been making their choices all along with support, facilitation, discussion, and it doesn't have to be this jump off the cliff and you're an adult. Do it by yourself and suffer the consequences. It doesn't have to be that way. No. No, I I love that that phrase, the inter interdependence, right? Because you're right. It's it's like you know there doesn't have to be any difference between one day and the next. Like you know when we talk about kids turning school age, you know right. from often it's a flow from attachment parenting mm-hmm. into unschooling. If if you're lucky enough to have heard of unschooling. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, that from one day to the next, although it feels big to, can feel big to parents because we've been so conditioned that Mm -hmm. way. Right. But the days themselves don't have to change at all. And it's exactly the same at 18. We, um, have been conditioned to think and, and then the days don't have to change. And jumping back to that condition to think, um, thought you mentioned that Anna and I thought that was great in relation to that um, study that kids are dependent mm-hmm. on their parents in some way until 27 but yes we I I see that so often and parent parents they either tried to hide it you know that they need right. to do or, or feel guilty that they need to help because they feel like they're being judged so yeah no that's it's but what if so we need of our condition right what if we let go of that? You know, what if we yeah, just supported exactly. each other and not judging and caring and worrying about it and just enjoying that they're supporting their kids and that they're working together for a goal that it's none of our business. <laughs> I, I tell you there, I was reading through, uh, it was on Facebook this morning and there was um, a beautiful comment of, of a mom. Um, she's not even an unschooling mom, but she was talking about her teenagers, her teen kids, and how um, how she connects and relates to each of them is very different. Um, but she just loves it so much, and she's loving the teen years. And, you know, I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, isn't it the most awesome <laughs> dance with them of understanding them and and learning so much from them? Because she was talking about what she learns from her teens. And I was so happy to just go in and acknowledge that, just to have that conversation. So when, whenever I see it come up, I always make a point of engaging yes. with them, just to, like you said, to try and increase that conversation just in general, right? Mm-hmm. We use the analogy of dance, and I think it's interesting because that's come up recently. I heard that about somebody who was um, dying from cancer, and the the person said, you know, this is your dance to choose how you want it to be. You can have it, you know, mainstream or conventional or alternative or drawn out or short. Like you get to choose mm-hmm. your, your portion of the, this is your dance with death. Mm-hmm. And similarly with our children, it's their dance. It's their life. And we've been there as a partner, mm-hmm. but they get to choose the dance, whether they're going to, when they're going to get on the plane and fly to Japan by himself, or maybe we <laughs> all go for a while. Like my friend asked me if Eric goes to school in Japan, is he going to go by himself? And I'm like, I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> if, he's, if he chooses it, like, and if he wants me to be in some facilitatory way, we'll figure out some facilitatory way. It may be that he has a family that's there um, facilitating him in an immersion situation. I don't know. I don't have to know. Right. I just trust that we'll work it out together. I love that. I love answering that way because so often people are asking, well, what's your, what's your child going to do? What, what, you know, even, even like, even at the dojo, like, is, is Michael, is Michael going to go to this tournament? Is Michael going to do this? Is he, you know, uh, but for all my kids and I love saying, I don't know, I'll ask him. (laughs) That's his dance. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, I love that. Oh, well, I guess, oh my goodness, 
almost an hour. I know. Go, guys. Thank, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Thank you. And before we go, where's the best place for people to connect with you online? Oh, um, <laughs> I guess, uh, <laughs> choosing connection or childhood redefined for me. Oh, okay, cool. And then heal thyself or heal thyself Q&A. That's awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the second book in my Living Joyfully with Unschooling series, Free to Live, Create a Thriving Unschooling Home. In it, I dive into the four characteristics that I found helped unschooling flourish in our home. Curiosity, patience, strong relationships, and trust. One reviewer wrote, Really enjoyed this short and sweet book. It has marvelous one-liners, and though I'm not an underliner, I found myself underlining on every page. Another said, I believe it would benefit any homeschooler or parent to read this book as it re-emphasizes the importance of the relationship between a parent and a child in the learning process. I plan to reread this book. It is rich and full of gems. Give yourself some time to absorb it before rushing into unschooling. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.